From high atop Rocky Road in Moab, Utah, it's KZMU News. I'm Molly Marcello. This is your news for Thursday, July 14th. Bagpipes, drums, and dancing. Mix these activities together and you've likely got a Scottish, Irish, or Welsh cultural event. You've also got noise. This is the central issue with the recent debate over the 2022 Scots on the Rocks Festival. This spring, the city council denied the organizers a permit to have their event at the Center Street ball fields. The three-day festival was held there last October to the distress of some surrounding neighbors like Bob Walker. Bagpipe music and along with the drumming, it was just made us want to go, want to scream. The city heard complaints from these neighbors and the council denied the permit. One council member said the event has impacts that cannot be reasonably mitigated. But shortly after that decision and reasoning, people who support the Scots Fest at the Center Street Ballfields raised their voices. Like Ballfields neighbor, Michael Liss. So this is about hearing the life of a city, okay? It's one of the benefits of living in a city. You guys have to remember, you're not a wilderness council. You're not a village council. You're not even a town council. You're a city council. This is the city of Moab, okay? The city council reversed its decision after festival organizers appealed. The Scots on the Rocks Festival will take place at the Center Street ball fields in mid-October. Festival organizers promised they could mitigate the noise. The entertainment stage will face the library instead of neighboring homes. Activities in the ballpark will end by 6 p.m. instead of 8. And the dance competition will be inside at Star Hall. This Scots on the Rocks conversation is bringing up other issues for the city council to address. Are they doing enough to mitigate adverse impacts of events on the community? According to their lawyer regarding Scots on the Rocks, yes. A findings of fact document related to the festival was released and approved this week. But council members still want to see their special events process strengthened. They're now re-evaluating existing criteria. Mayor Joette Langanese addressing city council member Ronnie Durasseri this week. Okay, so it sounds like your issue that you would really like this special events application process to include is managing the noise. Noise and intensity, okay. because they do cross over. Okay. Mitigating the noise and intensity of special events could include setting a maximum number of hours per day for, quote, noise activities. It also could mean requiring stage noise buffers for louder events and even identifying the location of, quote, potentially noise-affected premises. For Ballfield's neighbor, Khaki Hunter, it feels like there are just more events meaning more potential impacts for surrounding residents. Seems like there have been more and more requests to use the ball field as an event center, which is becoming, I think, a hardship for the residents that live around it due to the sound. The city council and staff will be updating their special events criteria with regard to noise and intensity over the coming weeks. Find more information in the show notes. Reporter Ashley Bunton contributed to this story. A new research snapshot released by the Utah Women and Leadership Project looks at the economic, health-related, and overall wellness status of Indigenous women in Utah. Sydney Lasike, with our partners at UPR, reports. 
The Utah Women in Leadership Project released a new research snapshot on July 6th, centering around the status of American Indian women in Utah. Susan Madsen, director of the Utah Women in Leadership Project, says she and her team not only want to do this research to study diversity and inclusivity throughout the state, but to advocate for more to be done to help Indigenous women feel empowered and heard. What we want to do is do more research and try to get the state of Utah and any organization to start collecting more gender and race ethnicity data. We found there wasn't very much. And so how can we help and really have better interventions, programs, and initiatives if we don't know more? Findings of this study conclude that Utah American Indian women are more likely to be in married couples families and have lower divorce rates compared to Native American women nationally. Also, American Indian women are less likely to attain a bachelor's degree and are more likely to end their education without a high school diploma. Madsen said, as the most shocking piece of research she and her team found revolved around the lack of basic necessities American Indian women have access to. 27.3% of Indigenous women report no access to water, and 23.8% report no access to internet at home. These days, we think everybody has access to water, but actually for all Utah women, about 10% don't have access to regularly clean water, but over a quarter of Utah American Indians do not have regular access to clean water. Madsen says Indigenous women participants from their community conversation study vocally expressed they want more mentoring programs for children in school about future careers and post-secondary education and more outreach programs to improve awareness of resources or a lack thereof within their communities. I'm Sydney Lasique. Clean air advocates are taking the EPA to court over smog levels in Colorado. Eric Galatis, with our partners at the Public News Service, has more. The Center for Biological Diversity has filed a lawsuit aimed at forcing the Environmental Protection Agency to reject Colorado's plan to bring down air pollution to safe levels because of a loophole that allows oil and gas operators to pollute at will. Robert Ukiley with the center says smog causes a lot of health problems and the state's record number of high ozone level days has led to increased emergency room visits for people with asthma and other respiratory illness. The people most susceptible to injury from smog are children, older adults, people that work or exercise outside. Oil and gas groups told the Colorado Sun that the majority of emissions in the region come from natural biogenic matter or blow in from outside the state and claimed the lawsuit would lead to higher fuel prices. The EPA does not comment on pending litigation. Ukiley says the science shows that the oil and methane gas industry is one of the biggest contributors to smog in Colorado, especially on days when ozone reaches dangerous levels. He believes Colorado will not be able to solve its smog problem problems until the EPA cracks down on the state for allowing unlimited air pollution from drilling and fracking. The state needs to close this loophole and hold oil and gas companies accountable, just like folks have to get their tailpipes tested. The Front Range has long faced ozone levels far above EPA standards set to protect public health. Governor Jared Polis has touted efforts to improve air quality, including one month of free public transit, adding electric school buses, and increasing permitting and enforcement staff within the Air Pollution Division. Ukiley says these measures ignore the the 800-pound oil and gas gorilla in the room and worries additional staff will simply speed up the administration's approval of drilling permits. I'm Eric Galatis. 
And that's the KZMU News for Thursday, July 14th. Get your community-powered journalism Monday through Friday at noon and 7. You can also find KZMU News anytime online at kzmu.org or wherever you listen to podcasts.